title of today's message is Thy Kingdom Come, and we're going to be looking in Matthew chapter 6 today. And as I was preparing for this sermon, I was reading the news, and if you follow the news, you uh, heard last month about that there was this tragedy in a city in Saudi Arabia called Menina. Menina is uh, one of the two cities that, um, that they consider sacred, the other one being Mecca. And what happens is Muslims are required, as part of their religious beliefs, to travel to Saudi Arabia, to Mecca specifically, for something called the Hajj. And the Hajj is like this giant um, Christmas, Easter, all kind of wrapped together uh, worship service that they have over the course of a week or two. And they go there, and you're required to go there and worship. Well, this year during the Hajj, part of what they do toward the end of it is... They spend a week in fasting and prayer, and then they go to this big black rock that's supposed to, uh, at that point, symbolize the devil, and they take pebbles and they throw pebbles at it, um, indicating that they're stoning sin and they're stoning Satan in their lives. And, but during this, because they kind of get whipped up into such a religious fervor, they had a massive stampede that left almost 1,600 dead or injured. And I was looking at that, and just thinking, isn't that what religion is? Religion is mankind trying to come to God on their, his terms and not following the way that God has prescribed through Jesus Christ. Prior to the scripture that we were about to read and all through the Beatitudes, Jesus is talking about a lot about that. He's contrasting and comparing those who actually seek God with those who are just trying to please God on their terms. Coming to God on your terms or using religion or some type of religious act to come to God is kind of like walking into a job interview and giving a, your future boss or potential future boss a list of demands that you want to be met, and then maybe you'll grace him with your presence and work there. That's it's kind of what religion does to God in, uh, if we were to walk into a job interview like that. And you know what that is? It's idolatry. It's lowering God to a standard and making him appealing to us instead of making ourselves appealing to him through Christ Jesus. And that is a mindset that Jesus is speaking to here. And he's asking them, are you going to play at religion or are you actually going to allow the kingdom of God to come into your life, to be made real in your life? And that's where we pick it up in Matthew, when he talks about how we should pray in Matthew 6, verse 8. Jesus said, do not, therefore, do not be like them. Don't be like these religious people. Don't be like these people playing at being godly. Don't be like these people that play at going to church. Don't be like them. For your father knows the thing that, things that you need before you ask him. In this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you. Thank you for your word. And we ask, Lord, that as we finish this series on the kingdom of God, that everything we've learned up until this point will just come into such fantastic clarity for us that we learn to run after you and walk with you 
with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, that we put aside all these other things in our lives that keep us from doing that, Lord, once and for all, that we have a total and complete commitment to seeing your kingdom go forth here in Whitehall and Blair, Independence, Pigeon, Arcadia, and throughout all of Trempealeau County, Father. Lord God, we ask this in your name. Amen. Today we want to answer Jesus' implied question throughout the Sermon of the Mount and his emphasis on the reality of the kingdom of God. And that question is, are you going to play at being religious? Are you going to play at being a church member? Or are you actually allowing the kingdom of God to come in and change your life? And we're going to do that today by focusing on three parts of this scripture prayer that Jesus gave us. That is, the first one will be our kingdom come, or your kingdom come, God's will be done, and on earth as it is in heaven. So let's start today with thy kingdom come. As I was studying for this, I go through commentaries, I go through word studies, I break it down into the original languages and look to what the original intention of, of how they translated it into English, and I really focused on the word come here in the Greek because it has so many different meanings, but all of them in English mean the same or, or bring just different lights to what Jesus was saying here when he said, thy kingdom come, that that is to be a focus and a reality in our life. And the first definition that I came upon was to bring something into being. The Greek word, or, or koame, means to bring something into being. In other words, God is calling something that is not into being. That is exactly what he did in Genesis when he said, let there be light. It was, it's called, the theological term is creation ex nihilo, where he said where there was nothing and he spoke and something came into being. Where there is not life, he brings into life. Where there is darkness, God brings life. Where there are errors and lies, God brings truth and is the truth. Think about for a moment what the world calls truth. We know that there is so much deception in this world. We know that, that even a lot, of, even unfortunately some of the churches that claim uh, to be Christian are, are, are supporting lies and supporting falsehood. And if we come to a realization of what truth is, it just makes things so much easier. And let me give you this definition for truth here. That truth is reality as seen through the eyes of God. Can you come up with a better definition of truth than that? Is it doesn't matter what I think is true. It doesn't matter what you think is true. It doesn't matter what Washington or Madison thinks is true. It matters what he thinks is true and knows is true because he sees things for the way they actually are. And he sings that the world calls truth, which is actually truly spiritual deception. When it starts to call evil good and good evil, it's really slapping spiritual chains on people, getting them addicted to things that will drag them into hell, bringing them despair, bringing them slavery, and eventually death. That is why truth is being thrown down into the gutter, and truth is trying to be trivialized as being something that is not important anymore. Your truth is fine, but allow me to have my truth. Well, that's not truth at all. That is just wishful thinking. I can't possibly say, well, I don't believe in gravity. 
so I can just let this go and it's going to float here. Well, my truth says it should still be floating here, but is it true? No. I mean, it's just silliness what the world is trying to teach us now. And you know, to the world's fallen nature, to this silly thing that is going on, God brings us Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. And if we do that, if we allow that to to come into our heart, allow him to, to call something that was not inside us into being, we will, you will see a changed heart. Where there was a heart of stone, he gives us this heart of flesh, a heart that he can work with, something that is alive, something that can hear God and give him praise and be obedient to him and do the mission that he has called us to, to have on this earth. And before where we could think about all, all we could think about is what we want or what we desire, the Holy Spirit changes our focus from us to a heavenly focus. Another way that we can look at um, thy kingdom coming is to see, is it means to have a place or an influence, and we see that in having a changed life. And this may be a little bit strange for a Christian pastor to say, but please bear with me. Don't, don't tune me out a little bit. The Christian life isn't so much about making us like Jesus. The Christian life is about dying and Jesus living through us. Because you know what? This fallen world does not need a Xerox copy of Jesus. Because a Xerox copy is not the original. What we need is the original coming into earth through us, through us dying to ourselves. You see, sometimes we've been focused on the wrong thing with our Christian fads. You know, Christianity has some fads in it. Remember the book of Jabez? Huge fad. Purpose-driven life, huge fad. Purpose-driven church, another huge fad off the purpose-driven life. We have our fads. Even in the Assemblies of God, we had Brownsville, we had Toronto. There were kind of fads that, that, went, through the, that went through the Christian church. And it kind of reminded me of when I was younger. I was involved in high school football. And before we started playing, we would have something called a scrimmage, and it would be against another high school team. And so we all jumped in the bus one Saturday, and we drove out to Lake Geneva from Kenosha, and we got to play the Lake Geneva Badgers. Not the Wisconsin Badgers. We would have gotten killed if we were to try to play them. But it was the Lake Geneva Badgers. And what happens is you just, it's not even really a game. It's just a series of scrimmages where you go out there, and one team is on offense for a while, and the other team's on defense. And you just start to play each other. And you start cycling through your first string and your second string. And by the time they get done, all the people that have been riding the bench all season get to go in and play. And that's when it, it turns kind of comical because people are fumbling and, and, and doing all kinds of things. And I remember that I had gone in. I was on first string defense. And I had gone in a little bit on the second string because he had pulled something in his leg. So I went in just a substitute, and then I came off the field. But we had pushed them all the way back to the, their own end zone. So their backs to their own end zone. So, you know, we're thinking all they have to do is make them fumble, and we're going to score a touchdown on defense. So we left them in a really, really good spot. And we get them there, 
And the third stringers get out there and they're, they're kind of mucking it up and everything. And the play right before they're about to get off the field, they manage to break through, line breaks through, hits the running back, running back fumbles the ball, like onto the one yard line. One of the defensive players picks it up and instead of taking one step and doing like this and say touchdown, he ran the wrong way with the football. <laughs> and I would imagine that he is sitting there, he's like, I'm gonna score, I'm gonna score, I'm gonna score. And in reality, he, did, he ran toward the wrong goal. We can do that in our Christian life sometimes when we focus so much about being like Jesus that we don't actually, that we strive in our own strength to be like Jesus instead of just standing back and saying, Jesus, whatever you need to do in me, whatever needs to be put to death, whatever TV show I need to stop watching, whatever I need to stop spending money on, whatever I need to give toward, as long as your kingdom goes forth, amen. Because you know what? He has already bought us. And that's the way it's supposed to be. That's not radical Christianity. That's Christianity. You are bought with a price. You don't get to call the shots anymore. He gets to call the shots. Pastors can be just as guilty about this. You know, we go to seminars, we read books, we uh, read books on leadership, church growth, books on how to reach the lost, conferences on how to grow megachurches. And we do all this sometimes because we don't want to do the hard thing, which is to pray. We don't want to do the hard thing, which means to love on people. We don't want to do the hard thing, which is build relationships. We just want to have some thing that we can do apart from all that and have a different result. But Christ laid down the church to have it grow in a very specific way. And most of all, we need the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit's job in the church. Sometimes as Pentecostals, we relegate this Holy Spirit to an experience and a sideshow within the church. But the Holy Spirit's job is to convict us and make us want to kneel before Jesus and say, not my way, your, name, your way, Lord. The final definition of come means literally to fall into something. And it reminded me of Matthew 21, 44, which says, whoever falls on this stone, talking about Jesus, will be broken to pieces. But whoever it falls on, will be crushed. Someday everyone here will meet Jesus. You will meet him either as your judge or you will meet him as your advocate, savior, lord, and friend. And will you fall upon him and beg for his forgiveness now or will he fall on you on that day as your judge? Lord Jesus, let there be a full establishment of your rule in our hearts, souls, and minds. Lord Jesus, kill off the remnants of me. Kill off the remnants of, of everyone here so that your life, your will, and your kingdom can come through each person here 
where you have called us in such a time as this. And as God's kingdom begins to be made more manifest in the lives of the individual believers, we will get to see the second part of his kingdom come in, which is his will being done. Now, there are several different ways of, of also seeing this. The fruit of the kingdom coming into our lives would be the first point. A lot of people have commented, even at work, that I have kind of a militaristic mindset. And to be honest with you, I had this before going into the military. I kind of had, a, a, I guess, a lack of a better way of looking at a warrior's mindset of kind of us versus them kind of a thing. And it served me well, I think, in, in being a Christian because I have understood that especially once I walked into, into a church and, and gave my heart to Jesus, that I entered into a war. Where before I was standing kind of on the sidelines watching the war take place, and by default on the other side, not even realizing this, I entered in to, the, to God's side when I got saved. And it's something that God has been impressing more and more in my prayer life, in my heart, how I read the Bible, how I even see this, what's going on in individual lives, as I see it as a spiritual conflict. You know, when we see family members falling into to gross sin, and, and sin, uh, you know, even 20 years ago would have made you throw them as far away from a church as possible, I see this simply as just another level of spiritual assault that is going on in their life and what should our answer be to throw them out or love and pray for them more we need to pray for them more we don't even understand the power of prayer i don't even think i truly understand the power of prayer the way that we should and next year we're going to be looking more and more into that in this church this militaristic mindset what we have to have is because is an understanding that what we go through in life is about one kingdom coming against another and one kingdom conquering another. When we talk about uh, making the kingdom of God more real in this community and more real in our lives, that's what we're talking about. We are talking about kicking back the gates of hell and letting God's kingdom become more and more prevalent in this uh, community. And I want you to think about that for a moment. Think about history. Whenever one nation conquers another, everything changes, doesn't it? I mean, if somebody, if North Korea invaded Whitehall tomorrow and set up a North Korean government, and they came door to door and they said, hey, I heard you're a pastor. Give me your Bible. You can't have that anymore. Can I say, well, the Bill of Rights guarantees me I can have my Bible and my church and everything else. He's going to say, you're not in America anymore, son. You're in North Korea now. Everything changes, doesn't it? And that's how we have to think about the kingdom of God coming to bear in our lives. Because you know what? We think about this in America po politics. Why do we focus so much on the president? If you think about it. Because we know that where the president goes, there goes the nation. We think about our elected representatives. Where they lead us, there goes the spiritual condition of that nation. Even though it's supposed to be the church doing it, it's still, because of our fallen human condition, we tend to still follow human leaders that way. And that's exactly why the Bible tells us we need to guard our own hearts. 
because there's a war going on to decide which kingdom is going to reign there. So I ask you this morning, who is your leader? Because who is leading your heart will determine the kind of fruit and, and actions that come out of your heart. There's a few people in here that are farmers. Conrad told me this morning that he just got a, uh, I don't know, F-14 tractor of some type. I don't. He said F-14. I'm like, she bought you a fighter jet, but <laughs> <laughs> I know they're being replaced. But I didn't think the government was giving those away. And if so, I want to ride. <laughs> he told me he got an F-14 tractor for his birthday. And happy birthday, Conrad. He is 37 years old this morning. <laughs> he looks good. Whose birthday? Judy. Judy? Happy birthday, Judy. But he, but he told me he used to be a farmer. So if a farmer goes out and plants wheat and he waits you know, all summer and he's watching this wheat grow, and then in the fall when it comes to, or toward the fall when it comes time to harvest, and he goes out there and starts harvesting, and he's looking for the corn stalks, that would be kind of silly, wouldn't it? I mean, a farmer is not going to look at a wheat field and expect to get corn out of it. But for some reason in our lives, we expect that we can sow into our fleshly side and still be able to yield spiritual results. It's, it's kind of an odd thing. And I have to tell you, if it's not all for King Jesus, then by default, it goes towards Satan. There's no half measures in the kingdom of God, especially in this hour that we're in right now, where Christianity is being thrown to the white wayside. Trying to be a halfway soldier in the kingdom of God, it would be like a United States soldier saying, well, Monday through Saturday, I think I'll go and fight for ISIS. They got better cookies. Sunday morning, though, between 9.30 and noon or so, I think I can be, I'll, I'll fight for the U.S. I mean, what would you think about a United States soldier that did that? But that's somehow, some reason we treat our spiritual lives like that. And that's why we need to concentrate on letting God be God. We need to allow this idea of progressive sanctification, which means that we have a daily surrender to God to allow him to be God in our lives. It is not just for a few hours on a Sunday morning or on a Wednesday night. It has to be an every single day thing. The Bible says that if you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. And in this hour when the, the, it seems like the kingdom of darkness keeps winning and winning and winning, and it just seems like it just keeps growing darker and darker and darker, if we don't have this kind of mentality, we will not stand. And I'll tell you, I want to be the, one of the people that stands. I want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. And it all depends on what we nurture in our life, flesh or spirit. And as I said, we're not saved by this, but this is how we grow and this is how we become effective in the kingdom when we make a decision that I am not going to do this. The Bible may not speak about doing it. The Bible may not say that you shall not, but for the sake of the kingdom, I am not going to exercise freedom over here and I'm going to stand over here and allow God to be God in my life so that no one could possibly accuse me or see any shadow within me, even if it's a questionable thing. 
The idea of his will be done is allowing God to exert his influence by this day-by-day yielding. So I would ask you just to ask yourself this morning, are you still at the baby stage in your Christian life? Are you still at that beginning stage? And you ask yourself, God, why aren't you moving in my life? Why aren't I moving in your kingdom? Why haven't you uh, done these dreams that you've placed in my life? I would ask you, have you submitted to his refining process? And this is where the prosperity gospel has killed the Christian church. If you were here on Wednesday, you would have studied this scripture in Romans 5, which says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have had access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of God. Not only that, now listen to God's refining process here. Not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulations produces perseverance. And perseverance, character. And character, hope. And hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Paul gives us a prescription for growing in God. And do you see anything that says God wants you healthy and wealthy and and free from all trouble? Actually, he says kind of the opposite. That's how he grows us. If you take a pine tree and plant it in your yard, and it never feels the wind, it never feels the cold, it never feels um, the sun baking down on it, its roots will be so shallow that the first good wind, it'll blow over. It doesn't matter if it's 200 feet tall. The first good wind, that thing's on the ground. But you give, it some pers- you give it some hardship. You give it some wind. You give it the cold. You give it the heat. And it's going to dig. It's going to send a taproot far down into the ground where nothing is going to tapple that. And we are grown in Christ the exact same way. And do you understand that if you are a Christian here, that God has brought you with a price and that he can use anything to bring his son's life more and more to the forefront in your life. And that is usually, if not almost always, comes through some type of hardship. God will use it to allow his son to come out more in your life. And instead of crying out to God when the hard times come, saying, get me out of this situation, God, get me out of this trial. Lord God, rise up, Jehovah Nisi, come, be the banner, fight against all this. Instead, stop, quiet your spirit, and ask God, God, what are you trying to teach me in this situation? Or God, Father, Abba, what part of you are you trying to bring under the sovereignty of Jesus? What part of me needs to die off finally and allow your son to be seen more in my life? And may God give us all that mindset of a soldier, one who is so on mission and focused on God's will being done that nothing else can distract us from the finish line that is Christ Jesus. The final part of this prayer was on earth as it is in heaven. 
The evidence of the kingdom coming into our life is us having that heavenly mindset that is so focused on him that we don't even have to ask the question, is this God or not? Is this in the Bible or not? Is this holy or is this fleshly? It just comes as a natural part of our being. In essence, we are already as kingdom citizens supposed to be living according to kingdom principles. When people see us, they should see the ambassador of heaven standing before us. When an ambassador stands before a foreign government, he is not John Smith. He is the United States of America. And that is the way that we are to look upon God's kingdom and our heavenly citizenship is that when we walk into a room, we are the kingdom of heaven. We are an embassy of that. And people should know it. People should feel it. And people should trust it. If that happens, the throne of God will be so obvious to this community, we won't even really have to speak. People will just know. Because the words of God will be becoming the words that we speak. The mind of Christ will be brought bare in every situation. And the power of God that comes with all of that will be made manifest in our lives when we bring that to others. Because you know what? There is no greater testimony to this community that we live in than seeing a person who was a person that we consider to be a wretched sinner come to Christ. That is going to be the greatest testimony of the power of God in this community is when sinners start being saved. We can talk about Jesus, we can do outreach, we can witness, we can pass out tracts, but until people start seeing the power of God made manifest in the lives of believers and see Jesus through them, we will not be effective in making his kingdom come. Jennifer, if you and Tammy would like to come back up, please. In conclusion, I wanted this series to bring us a better appreciation for the fact that there are two kingdoms out there. If you're here this morning and you have never bowed the knee to Jesus, if you have never surrendered your life to him, then by default, you're in the kingdom of darkness. It takes a conscious decision of the will to transfer your passport from being that of Satan's or being that of Jesus's. You're not born into it. You're not there because your parents were there. It takes a conscious decision of your will of saying, Jesus, I surrender. I can't do this myself. I have messed up. I need you to save me. Because kingdoms are governments that are ruled by a king. And we have this king that wants us to be his subjects and come into the safety and security of his kingdom. Will you make that decision this morning? Either for the first time of kneeling before Jesus and calling him your Lord and Savior, turning from your sins, or recommit yourself and saying, Jesus, I know I've been living a sloppy Christian life. I need to come into the fullness of your kingdom now because I know you have a mission for me. It's not just enough to be in his kingdom. He's going to ask you, what did you do for me? So Lord God, I just lift up everyone here. 
And I would ask, Father, that you would take away anything in their hearts, minds, or spirits that would block the King of kings and the Lord of lords from entering in right now. Lord God, help them to fall down onto the rock that is you so that the rock will not fall upon them on judgment day. Father, this is very serious business. And if you have never asked Jesus into your heart, you can do so now. Just pray a prayer. Say, God, I know I've messed up. I know I have done things that, that the Bible says are sin. The things that the Bible says are not of you. Forgive me. I accept Jesus and his sacrifice is mine. And him is my Lord and Savior. It's as simple as that. Admit you're a sinner. Believe in Jesus and confess him as Lord. Let's all rise. Let's enter back into a time of worship where we are going to fall down before him again. And just as the 24 elders in the book of Revelation, we're going to cast down our crowns before him now. Thank you for tuning in to the Whitehall Assembly of God podcast. This is Pastor John Oscar, the senior pastor of Whitehall Assembly of God. If these messages have blessed you, I just encourage you to subscribe to these podcasts and you'll be able to hear every single message that comes out of Whitehall Assembly. If you are interested, go on Facebook and like us on Facebook. We do have a Facebook page, Whitehall Assembly, in beautiful Whitehall, Wisconsin. We also have a website that you can visit, whitehallassembly.org, or you can come visit us in person. We are located on the corner of Dewey Street and Sheila Street in Whitehall, Wisconsin. We hope to see you there someday. If these messages have blessed you, I'd just like to encourage you to contribute toward us being able to continue to bring them to you. You can see that on our website, top right corner of the page. If you have any questions, you can contact me at my email, pastorjohnoscar at gmail.com. If you don't mind, I would just like to take a moment to pray for you before we go today. Father God, I just ask, Lord, that every single person who listens to these messages will be brought into a deeper relationship with you through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let them experience the love and forgiveness that Jesus bought for us on Calvary's cross. I ask, Father, that you just use it to enrich their lives, that you use it to make them good ambassadors of the kingdom of God, and bring them into your presence someday. Let them be fruitful, let them multiply, and let them be used mightily for you in these last days. Father, I commit them to your care now. In Jesus' name, amen. God richly bless you.